You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you further. You step forward little by little, not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. You can have to go to like 5 11 to make a pun. Yes, that's fine. Okay. Use the two hours. I was okay, so it's fine. I was five eleven. That's five eleven your time. Yeah. Three hours. No, it's four eleven my time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Deeper Waters podcast. I'm Nick Peter, seeking to bring you the very best in Christian scholarship and apologetics. And today is no exception, but it's the month of Valentine's Day, the month of love. A month I used to hate until around 2009, 2010, and then all of a sudden that started to change, and it became a month I loved. And it first became a month I loved after I got married. <laughs> but we are still talking about love and romance. And I've got on here a return guest, a good friend of mine. She was nice enough to send me her latest book in PDF form. And we're going to be talking about, her name is Jay Parker. She's a Christian and speaker who blogs at Hot, Holy, and Humorous. And by the way, there's an excellent Facebook group on there, Conversations Between Men and Women. So I really recommend you check it out. I'm a part of it too. And uses a biblical perspective and a blunt sense of humor to foster godly sexuality. She has penned four books on sexual intimacy and marriage. Most recently, Pillow Talk, 40 Conversations About Sex for Married Couples. Married for 26 years, Jay has fondly nicknamed her logical husband Spock. And by way of pre-show recording, I heard her in fact calling him Spock here. He has two grown sons and lives in the great state of Texas. She holds a bachelor's degree in history from Abilene Christian University and master's degree in counseling from the University of Houston. It's her personal story of redemption that fuels her passion for passion. Jay, welcome back to the Deep Waters podcast. Thanks for inviting me back. I'm glad to be here. Now, if my audience doesn't know much about you, can you tell us a bit about how you got to be doing what you're doing? Oh, gosh, I feel like this is kind of a long story, but it, it basically, the answer is God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, it's that I just did have this personal story of redemption about how um, kind of when people give their personal testimonies, mine mm-hmm. was in the sexual arena of how God mm-hmm. just redeemed that situation for me and brought me to a much better understanding of what his design was. And then I kind of started being the person who talked to a lot of people and gave advice and was interested in how it was going for everyone. Um, I just wanted to share that message. And then I felt like he was nudging me to do more with it. And so I started a blog anonymously, actually, back in 2010. And uh, three years later, I I just, you know, dropped all that and I was just Jay Parker and I've just been blogging since writing books, um, doing some speaking and just, I just love being able to help couples embrace sexual intimacy in their marriage the way God intended. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, uh, if someone had told you years ago, like, this is what you would be doing with your life, you probably wouldn't have believed them, would you? <laughs> Like, you know, no, no one, I've said this, like no one says to a kid, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they go, I want to be a sex author and (laughs) speaker. Nobody says that. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's kind of where God led me. And I was a little bit reluctant at first, 
Mm-hmm. I wasn't so sure I wanted to do that. I kind of thought at first, well, I'll just do some writing on this and then maybe it'll help some people and I'll just move on with the rest of my life. And it grew so much because there's a real need for this and for people who are willing to boldly and biblically speak about it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious what uh, Spock happens to think about his wife kind of being a sex expert and such. <laughs> Yeah, every now and then I'm like, what is if people ask me that? How how how's he feel about it? And I mean the 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 funny answer is to say, are you kidding? Like he's mm-hmm. he struts, you know, because mm-hmm. his wife writes about great sex. But um honestly, the real answer is that he's just really uh pleased that you know, we can help other couples. Mm-hmm. And um he's very on board with being able to to help people and understand the importance of this in their marriages. So Mm-hmm. It's pretty odd that this is one of the, I think one of the three big issues that couples argue about the most in marriage. I think it's supposed to be sex, money, and in laws are the big three. Yeah. And I remember before I got married, I was saying, "Well, you know, Allie just loves me so much, and when we get together, she can hardly keep her hands off of me, and things like that and such." So, yeah, when we get married, this isn't going to be an issue for us. We're going to be all on the same page entirely. That delusion dies pretty quickly for a lot of couples, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we we do have these expectations that we come into marriage with. And um, mm-hmm. sex isn't always what we expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And then we have different reactions about what that means for our relationship or how to handle it going forward. Um, a lot of people bring baggage into a situation mm-hmm. or they just don't have enough teaching or they misunderstand. Like a lot of times we think that if this is how we see sex, that our, our spouse is going to see it the same way, but they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're different gender. They come from a different background. They've Mm -hmm. had different teachings. They're just a totally different person. And, uh, which is why you married them because (laughs) you liked that. Um, but it can cause some issues when it comes to negotiating the sex part. Yeah. I think it's pretty odd that when I look at it, it seems like Men seem to, they, they love that their women are different, but when they communicate, they wish their women fought more like men and vice versa. And that causes a whole lot of miscommunication, doesn't it? It it does. And I think some of it is that we, when we're first falling in love, um, we have kind of, we do have these sort of rose color glasses and a lot of it is actually biological. We have things happening with our body with the hormones mm. and mm-hmm. endorphins and all this stuff that we, we kind of, uh, we look for all these positives in this person. Um, and we don't pay attention to this other stuff as much, but then when you uh, get married and you're with this person all the time and you're living with them and you're sharing a bed with them, these things start to mm. become more noticeable and, then you've got to either, you know, some people react to that by um, trying to avoid the subject because it's unpleasant, mm-hmm. because it, it there's a conflict in it and they didn't expect that. And so they don't want to deal with that. Other people, uh, you know, continue to try to work it, work it, work it. And other people just kind of try to find some middle ground. I, we just have different ways of trying to, to deal with that. And... Um, you know, usually it takes a little while and some attention and oftentimes some good advice to know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things that happens, it, especially for Christian couples who decide they're going to save sex for marriage, is while they're dating and such, where the guy, you know, he's kind of restricted 
and what he can do. But the woman sometimes is very, very physically affectionate, you know, and everyone's on their best behavior. The woman's dressing up the nicest she can, trying to be as attractive as she can. The guy's constantly pursuing, doing everything he can to woo the girl and things like that. And then they get married, and things change, because now that sex is included, the girls are going to say, is this all you think about? Is this all you want and such? And the guy's saying, hey, um, where is the girl, you know, who couldn't keep her hands off of me when we were dating? Yeah, that's definitely true. And a lot of it, and some of it is has to do with our differences and how we actually become aroused. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, men become aroused um, more quickly and mm-hmm. oftentimes visually. And women, uh, it takes a little more wooing, a little more kind of coaxing into it. And um, I don't, co- that's coaxing's maybe not the wrong word. It sounds like it, you're kind of pressuring them. That's not what I mean. But they're mm-hmm. they're being wooed and drawn in. And so when you're dating and you're you know holding hands and you're hugging and you're kissing and all those things, I mean those are things that kind of that really feel good to a woman. Mm-hmm. And if she gets a while of those, yeah, she's going to be very. Uh, She's very open to you, but mm-hmm. then when she get married, I think a lot of men are like, okay, but I'm aroused and sex is on the table. So let's go. Mm-hmm. And she's not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, but she also doesn't understand on her side because she's like, well, you used to woo me and you used to do this and what you just don't, you never just kiss me to kiss me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and guys, I'm not saying guys don't kiss their wives just to kiss them. They do. <laughs> but it, if you have that difference in sex drive, the person who's a lower drive can feel like they're being put upon a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And so now you've got this book here, Pillow Talk, about all these conversations that couples can have because it seems couples can sometimes talk about everything except sex. Is that right? We do have some trouble talking about this. And um, a lot of people grew up, a lot of Christians grew up in Mm. cultures where they just didn't talk about it very much. Or if they did, it was, if if they talked about sin, or they talked about sex, it was talking about sexual sin or talking about waiting for marriage. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't really talk about sex itself. And then they get there and they, they had sex with their spouse, but they still don't want to talk about it. Um, but oftentimes you can't, you know, resolve an issue or you can't even just improve your sexual intimacy if you can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've uh, told a few times on the show, it's about when I was in Bible college and I went to my home church at the time, mm-hmm. and the they were doing a ceremony, the silver ring thing and such, which I have no problem with. I think it's a wonderful thing. But the associate pastor got up and gave a talk to all the kids there about sex and marriage and such. And when he was talking about it, he, he was saying, now, you know, I want you to know if you have sex, before you get married, it's going to be for selfish reasons. Now, to an extent, I could agree with that, but, well, yeah, that makes sense. He said, I want you to think about this. What if you get pregnant? What if you get an STD? Think about the shame you could feel on your wedding night. Think about what you might have to tell your future spouse and such. And I'm saying this thing, and I'm saying, Pastor, excuse me, but, uh, 
Those sound like selfish reasons to me, too. And he, he kept going on and on about all this stuff. And I'm sitting back there, and I was uh, getting bored. And what I tell people, like, if you are talking about sex, and you've got a college guy in the audience listening to you, and he is getting bored, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's a way to talk about this positively. And I mean, I, mm-hmm. in the bio, you said I have two grown sons. So I have talked to my sons about this and tried very hard to, to stress that sex is just a great thing. It's wonderful in the right context where God intended it to be in the mm-hmm. right way um, and with the right attitude. Mm-hmm. And so those are all things that you have to consider. And too often our, our secular culture in particular has this idea that sex is for us, for our own pleasure. And it's kind mm. of like, you know, we take pleasure and they take pleasure. And we have sort of parallel pleasure. And that's not at all how God created sex to be in a marriage. There's a, a mutuality that to that. And there's, you're talking about the selfishness. There's a selflessness to sexual intimacy in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we we really should be stressing more to talk about how your sexual intimacy is a place where you can also show Christ-like love to your spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember sending you a video once from a College Humor they did with a realistic sex scene and such because if <laughs> I always tell guys, give me very good ass guys. Once you think everything you see in the movies and such, forget all about it. It's totally bogus. It is not realistic at all. No, it's not. But, it, you know, I think we can scare people, too. And it's like it's actually really good, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but it's not it's not polished like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the other thing is when you see a movie, I've always said, well, yeah, you've got, you know, actors who've had makeup artists, fitness mm-hmm. trainers, you know, um, mm-hmm. They have lighting, a director, choreography, script, everything. That's not what you show up with in your bedroom. You show up with you and your spouse. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's better because it's real, but it's also can feel awkward at first. Mm-hmm. And, you, and it also means that you're not going to arrive the way you think. A lot of people think, well, since we know how sex happens and mm-hmm. I have – sexual desire, then I will be a good lover. And that's just not how it works. So you actually have to learn your spouse's body and learn your own and learn how to arouse and excite and satisfy one another in bed. Yeah. And also in the movies, it, what you see is the final scene. They can shoot retake after retake as much as they need to if they want to, <laughs> but we don't have that option. Yeah. Yeah. You get one take. <laughs> so, that, well, actually it's kind of funny. You do, you do get one take on that, but, but one of the beauties of marriage I have said many times is, uh, God smartly putting in this relationship, this committed relationship is that you, you know, if one time doesn't go terrific, it's okay. You're going to yeah. make love hundreds of times in the mm-hmm. course of your very long marriage. Hallelujah. And, and you will, also get to learn one another over the years. Most, Mm -hmm. most uh, couples report better sexual intimacy, you know, 15 years into the marriage or so. Mm -hmm. It's just, and that I think is because they're become more and more confident about what they do. They, they know their spouse's body more. They've intentionally learned things. So 
RC's pro rat, I read a little bit in a book he had about marriage. Before I got before I got married for a while, I was working for Christian Research Institute, so I was able to reuse some books and such. And I, I I looked at one section, of course, when I was looking at these marriage books, I jumped straight to that section. And he talked about how he was uh, shortly after he got married, he went and visited an, an uncle, I think. And the, this, you know, I has has said to him, so. What do you think about it? And he just said, terrific. And he said, you don't know the half of it yet. And R.C. said, he was saying, what does this old codger know that I don't know? And he says, well, now, 20 years later, I'm looking back, or 15 years later, I'm looking back, like, oh, he did know a lot, but I didn't know, because things change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It definitely has changed. And you really have seasons. Um, I think I have a chapter in the book about that, how you have seasons in the marriage and Mm -hmm. you have sexual seasons too. Mm -hmm. And so that's okay. Like there are times where you're in a season of discovery and other times where you're kind of in a maintenance season, maybe. Um, Maybe you're having a reawakening. Maybe you're, you know, whatever. There's just all kinds of different uh, times in your marriage. But but in the marriage, you have the time to have all those experiences and to feel the fullness of all of it. Mm-hmm. So now uh, let's uh, talk talking about the book, Books Pillow Talk. Oh, yeah. What's the purpose of this book? You know, the purpose is that I've ha- I've had a lot of couples throughout the years um, comment to me or email me and say that they've got an issue in their marriage. But what and oftentimes what I ask is, well, have you talked to them about it? And I get back, no, that they haven't talked to him. They don't know how to talk to him. They don't know how to have that conversation. They don't even know, how, you know, how, what to think about things. And so I came up with this book that is really about having those conversations. And so each chapter has a topic to discuss, a few opening thoughts, and then there are some questions that you ask one another and listen. Mm-hmm. And I give a lot of tips of the book about in the early part of the book about how to have that conversation successfully, how to listen and not criticize or <laughs> shut down or, you know, how to keep those, those communication lines open. And then, um, and then there's also bringing in a scripture and, and what it says and, um, and praying together. Mm-hmm. And then I did add a couple of things that every every chapter has at the end, uh, some homework, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So a couple of ideas to kind of apply what you've learned on that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not directive so much. It's very, I feel like it's very open for couples to kind of use the resource in the best way for their marriage because the conversation would be totally different for different couples, even if you're talking about the same topic. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can also tailor the um, activities to your own situation. And so I tried to make it where you could just really have this conversation opening and it Mm -hmm. can open up that topic and help you where you don't have to come up with all the words. You open up the chapter and you say, Hey, uh, we're going to talk about um, kissing today and we're going to do the kissing chapter. And Mm -hmm. then you go through and you talk about that and how that's going in your marriage. Now, you said the book is Pillow Talk. Uh, does that mean all these are supposed to be read when the couple is in the bedroom together, or does it matter? 
<laughs> no, it, I don't think it matters where you do it. I think the idea is the pillow talk is, um, yeah. you know, pillow. To, the meaning of pillow talk is what you, you know, talking before, after lovemaking. Mm. And I think that it's just sort of associated with that time of being together in bed. And so mm. that's why I chose it. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it, it went really well with that because it communicates that we're, we're talking about the sex we just had or about to have, or maybe won't have for two days, but we will because mm-hmm. we're going to have sex again. <laughs> yeah. um, or if you're not having sex that mm-hmm. right now, this is still a good book for you to yeah. start having those conversations. Now, I was going to say, I probably didn't read the book the way you intended since I'm a book reviewer of sorts. And so yeah. I had to go and just go straight through and such. But I definitely did enjoy it. I thought it was very easy to read and such. And so I, 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 my, my hope is a lot of peppers would pick up something like this and go through and really think the exact same thing. Because all of these, you could read them and say about maybe two minutes or so each night, right? Yeah, the the converse the, the the content itself is really a framework, mm-hmm. and so the actual you know amount of words that I give you, I don't know how long each is, but um, I don't know maybe you, it would take you I would say at least ten minutes probably to go through something like this, mm-hmm. but it could be that on certain topics your conversation goes a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on what's going on, mm-hmm. um, and how much you want to spend on it. Mm-hmm. Because there are going to be some issues where couples are like, oh, we're in totally agreement on that. You know, we can check that off and go through this chapter. Great. Um, mm-hmm. And there are going to be others where your spouse says something that you're like, I don't understand that. And that's mm-hmm. not how I think about this at all. And y'all may need to take longer for them to explain and, and you to understand. And that's really the goal of this, too, is too often I think we come into conversations trying to get our own point across. Mm-hmm. And I, and I get that, but a lot of times if we will spend more time trying to understand where our spouse is coming from, we can actually make more progress because people, they want to be understood and they Mm -hmm. want to be known for who they are and loved. Mm -hmm. And so if they feel like when they, you, they talk to you that uh, you're going to judge them and you're going to criticize them, you're going to shut them down. Well, they're not going to share much with you. And then Mm -hmm. you don't really know what's going on and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. So if you can establish kind of this, this safe uh, conversation place and just do more of trying to understand your spouse and then, you know, and then you guys can talk it out. And also, you know, your spouse should be trying to understand you, of course. So, but it just, trying to see where the other person's coming from and why they believe what they believe and mm-hmm. what they're experiencing. It just can help you so much more in understanding the whole situation and figuring out where to go from here. I think one of the problems is when we come from our own perspective, each of us feels perfectly logical in what we're saying. And it all makes sense to us. I mean, as a husband, my temptation is something, you know, if she really cared about me, well, then she'd be wanting to have that intimacy with me more often. Mm. Well, if she's not wanting to have an intimacy, I guess she just doesn't really care for me or desire me that much. And meanwhile, she's over there and thinking, if he really cared about me, he'd be wanting to do a whole lot more than sex with me. He's not wanting to do a whole lot more than sex with me. Therefore, I guess he doesn't really care about me. And unfortunately, both both spouses seem to withdraw at that point, don't they? 
Yeah, we we do. We tend to think oftentimes that exact thing where they where we think to ourselves, well, if I did X, it would mean Y. Mm-hmm. And so we assume that when our spouse does X, it means Y, but it doesn't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Because they're a different person. They came, they have a different thought process, they came from a different background. And and you just can't make those assumptions. We make assumptions all the time. And I tell you what, I, you know. I had a few years of my marriage were really awful, and that's kind of part of my redemption story coming back around to a happy marriage. But I remember in those times, I made so many assumptions about what my husband's behavior meant about his love for me, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean that yeah. um, at all. And I just spent way too long in that space thinking that, well, if he's doing this, that means he feels such and such. And oftentimes, whatever was going on for with him had nothing to do with me. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> really nothing. Like for instance, if you have a spouse who has been, has a past of being sexually abused mm-hmm. and then I've heard the story of something like that. And then they get married. Let's say the wife has been, was sexually abused when she was young and she comes into a marriage and her husband comes up from behind her at the kitchen counter. And he like puts his hands on her bum and she it goes into, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would touch me like that. Am I just a piece of meat? Blah, 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 blah something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That seems overreactive, but from her perspective, it was important that she didn't have control of her body when she was being abused. Mm-hmm. And so now having somebody come and just grab her body out of nowhere is she may not even be able to express it, but it's a trigger for her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, so it makes sense to her, but it seems like angry and overreactive to someone else. Um, but these are the kinds of things that once you start talking to each other, then you, you can probably negotiate those kinds of things where, you know, she says, well, this happened to me and I just can't do that. And he says, well, I just really want to be able to touch you. And she says, well, if you could just, you know, tap my arm first and have me turn around or this or that, you know, there are ways to deal with these things so they don't keep mm-hmm. coming up. Mm-hmm. But we have to be able to talk to each other and understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what do you think the man is thinking when he does that, though? You want me to say what I think men think? Sure, <laughs> give us give a it, challenge. Give, give it give it a shot, and maybe I can see what if I really think that. I, you know, honestly, I think a lot of men are very uh, single task focused. Mm-hmm. Is how I've heard it um, yep. phrased, and I think that there is kind of a single mindedness of seeing his beautiful wife and and feeling like, oh, I'm so blessed to have this beautiful mm-hmm. wife, and I'm going to go over and love her, and and then he. He wants to be affectionate, and so he – and, you know, it, his affection too, he's maybe drawn to her her rear end because that's particularly attractive to him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so then maybe there is somewhat of sexual component, but maybe it's also just kind of affectionate. And I think he just yeah. goes and he does it. I don't think he thinks through mm-hmm. what is this going to say about us or anything. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say speaking as a man – for many of us men, our identity is tied up entirely with our sexuality and such. And that's the best way many of us know and understand love. And if we're not intimate with our spouses, it's kind of saying, there's something wrong here. There's a barrier here. And honestly, until that need gets met, 
it's really hard to focus for a man on anything else whatsoever. But if a man gets this need met in his life, uh, he'll go out and climb Mount Everest immediately. And it, it's really something incredibly powerful to a man. I think most women just look and say, he just wants to get his game on. Or something like that. And, and I wait saying, no, we want to be close to you. And the question we're asking you many times is, am I still your man? Do I still turn you on? Yeah. Yeah, I th- I th- I think I've said it before that I think that men want to be their wife's hero in the bedroom. Yep. Yeah, and so I think that's one of the good things is most husbands and not all if that's not happening then there needs to be some conversations in your marriage but mm-hmm. but most husbands are very um excited about getting their wives sexually excited. Oh yeah. Like it really has a very satisfying effect for a mm-hmm. man to pleasure his wife. Yeah, we're gonna have fun regardless. We're gonna enjoy it regardless, but when we know you enjoy it, that's a compliment to us. I think it'd be the same way, for instance, that a, a woman could enjoy, for instance, cooking. But when she cooks a mirror and her husband lets her know he really likes it, that's a compliment to her even more. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably the wrong person to talk to about that since I'm not a great cook, but I, yeah. but the analogy is still good. Yeah. And meanwhile, I think for a my lot husband of, did not marry me for my cooking. I yeah. guarantee you that. And I, I think a lot of women want the emotional connection. Their fear is their husband's going to be romantic to him. We're going to go. We're going to have sex together, and then he's going to shut down because he's got exactly what he wants. And this point, the guys, yeah, emotionally connect a whole lot more chasing your wives just like you did when you were dating. Yeah, there's there's just got to be this give and take. And I think we do have to talk to each other about what our sexuality means to us. Um, and because a lot of times, you know, the higher drive spouse will talk about um, needing sex. Mm-hmm. And that is really not good phrasing because what it sounds like is I need a physical release and yeah. you're and you're the the tool but, through which I can get it, yeah. which is not really what's happening. Because I've just talked to enough people to know that that's not what's happening. They're mm-hmm. actually thinking, I feel really connected to you yep. when we make love. Mm-hmm. And there's a physical release, but it's t- it ties deeply into my heart and my soul and our relationship. Let's and get they have to t- you have to be willing to talk about that. And now I will say there are other people for whom their sexuality is iffy. They came from a situation where they're not confident in their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And maybe they need to talk about that, about what being sexual has meant to them in the past and the negatives involved and figure out how they can get to a more positive place. Now, let's get into some of the chapters here and such. And also, okay. one other thing to do is there's... Things in each chapter want some things for him and some things for her, right? Yeah, there's, um, I don't know that there are very many that are divided out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that the, I would say all of them, you know, they, they cover a broad number of topics. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's quite possible that, that he will have some favorites and she will have some favorites. Mm-hmm. Now that, that, I'm just going to go and pick some ones that I, particularly okay. think could be some of the most interesting and such. Obviously, we don't have time to cover all 40 of them here and such. How about uh, preparing our bedroom? Yeah, what does that exactly mean? I mean, we could look and say, well, there's a bed in there. What more do we need? 
<laughs> yeah, I hear from so many wives in particular who say they cannot just step into the bedroom and just start to engage if there's mm-hmm. some problems with it. Like, I mean, if it's just really messy or the kids' toys are in there, mm-hmm. like it it fires up um, our thinking about what else we need to do, or mm-hmm. we can feel like too much of that mom in the moment, like a mom instead of a lover. And so mm-hmm. maybe those things need to be cleaned up. Um, I've also heard a lot of people who have TVs in the room and it, mm-hmm. and it, it becomes a problem because that's the place where they sit and watch TV and yeah. then it doesn't feel like the make love place. No now, TVs saying- in our bedroom here. Yeah, I'm not saying that you can't have a TV. My husband and I have a TV in our bedroom, but it causes it doesn't cause any problems for us. If we ever turn it on, I mean, there's only two times it gets turned on, and that is either my husband's watching a game and can't be in the living room to watch it, or we're watching something together, so we're like snuggled up in bed watching something. Mm-hmm. So that's the only time it's on in my t- in mine. So, but a lot of people that's different for, and so you have to ask yourself what in this bedroom is distracting us or causing some problems for us being able to get into this. And you really should just make it a conducive environment, um, to really feel, feel good. You know, we recently bought a new mattress and that has made a difference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, just investing in something like that, that we finally could. And, um, some, for some people it's the feel of their sheets, for some people it's the lighting, but there's just lots of things that, that you can do to kind of make your bedroom a more inviting place. Yeah, and I think there are some things we guys can do here a little bit more as well. Um, when we got married, we had like some synthetic rose petals and such. And oh. so if, when a night came, but I thought Allie and I were going to be having a romantic evening and such together. Take some of those rose petals and throw them all over the bed. And we've got some electronic candles and such. Turn those on. They can even be turned on by remote. And mm-hmm. one of the things I got her is she was just looking through Facebook or something. Someone told me she saw this lamp that's based on the rose from Beauty and the Beast. And oh. she said, said, oh, that's so nice. I went and looked, went straight on Amazon to see if I could find it, had enough credit, and picked that up for her so we can turn that on and such. So, guys, not only get the place looking nice, but get it looking romantic, and that means a lot to a woman's heart, doesn't it? Yeah, it, re- it really does. Um, and, you know, some women more than others, but definitely just just the effort and just mm. making it a nicer place. Mm. Um, we, want our, we want our bedrooms to feel... Mm. Um, serene and welcoming. Mm-hmm. It was also, look at also the section on pursuing your spouse. Because we, we talk about this some, but it seems sometimes that once a couple marries one another, there's a tendency to say, okay, I've got you guess so I can, uh, you know, sit back and take things easy and such now. And both of us really back down on that pursuit some, don't we? Yeah, we do. And some of it is time crunch. I think mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they feel like, well, we only have this window of time. And so we don't have much, but there's lots of little things that you can do even through the day to kind of just flirt and, mm-hmm. um, let your, you know, you let your beloved that know that they're beloved. Mm-hmm. And, um, re- and really, I think that, uh, there's a title of a book by Dr. Kevin Lehman that's called Sex Begins in the Kitchen, mm-hmm. written for men about how yeah. 
you're, you, you're preparing your sexual relationship with your wife all through the day, yeah, every day. So it doesn't just happen when you're in the bedroom or it doesn't just happen when you, you know, we've done everything else and you turn off the TV and then you turn to her and say, Hey, you want to, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's not how it's going to work. And so we do need to pursue each other. And we also need to understand what that looks like for us. Mm-hmm. Um, because people like different kinds of flirting and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what is it that communicates, the kind of desire that your spouse wants to receive. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us guys are really ignorant in this kind of thing. What does it look like to pursue our spouses? Oh, see, I, th- I actually think this is a hard one because for instance, if you've got a wife who's very romantic and it could be the kind of thing where, yeah, you bring her flowers. Sometimes you leave a, a love note on the mirror. You, um, you know, wrap your arms around her, and and you know, I don't know, side a line of poetry or something. Mm-hmm. There are other wives who are the other spectrum for whom that doesn't really hit them. They feel um, more valued when you um, maybe just spend more time with them. When you, when you uh, maybe joke with them or whatever. I, so I try to make these chapters too, where you can discuss what really works for you. I would say generally for most, maybe not most, but a majority of wives are going to appreciate words, you expressing nice things throughout the day that, especially that have nothing to do with sex, Mm -hmm. um, that have to do with you appreciating who they are and what they do. Mm Mm-hmm. That is a, a big thing. Um, and also, if you're going to compliment how she looks, um, try to be specific because women have so many body image issues that we get used to kind of um, batting off things that people say that would be like, well, oh, I just think you're so beautiful. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if he says, I just love the color of your eyes. They are such a beautiful blue. Mm-hmm. Well what is she supposed to do with that? Like she can't just bat that off. That's specific and it feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kinds of things can, can help. Um, and also a lot of wives like physical affection, um, hold her hand, you know, just hold her hand while you're sitting on the couch or walking somewhere, put your arm around her, um, give her kisses of varying levels, you know, the mm-hmm. kiss on the cheek, the, kiss on the lips, the go for broke French kiss. I mean, just mm-hmm. all those kinds of things that are, have a sensual aspect sometimes, mm-hmm. but aren't necessarily sexual. Mm-hmm. And those things as we pursue each other that way, kind of open up the sexual mm-hmm. arena more. Yeah. And I think I should add some caveats for guys when you're commenting her on what's beautiful about her. Don't jump straight to sexual parts immediately, <laughs> either. And when you're wanting to kiss her, don't jump straight there, either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a, this is a thing too. Is a lot of of men I think have not received training on this. Is yeah. that again? It's kind of back to what we talked about earlier, where if um, if something if X happened to me, then I would feel Y. And so men think things like that, like it, if you know, well, if she went straight for me and started kissing me like crazy, mm-hmm. or if she touched me in that private place, that would drive me wild. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand 
why it's not having the same effect on her, mm-hmm. <laughs> except that God made our our biology processes different. Mm-hmm. And so when you learn more about how your spouse works, then, you know, you can understand what works for them. Maybe you need to ease in a little bit more. Maybe they need a little more buildup. And I tell what, and by the way, on the other side, I tell wives, you know what? Sometime just go right up to him and put your hand there. <laughs> you yeah. know, no, no, you no, probably no. like that. No, and uh, so no. I tell women to be more blunt because often I hear from wives too, who will say things like, well, I hinted that I was willing to have sex and I say, well, what did you do? And they'll tell me some small thing. And I'm like, he's a, he's a man. Would you just look straight at him and say, I want to have sex. And so then <laughs> just be straightforward with the guy. Yeah. I have to say that's, pretty depressing when I hear about it because I know Ari's told me there's been at least three times in our marriage where she was in the mood and she was sending me all these hints and I didn't get it in. Yep. <laughs> I'm probably going to start crying now. I <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like I do tell him like, be, you know, but if you kind of come into the middle, like guys do a little more effort and then women be a little more blunt with your, with your man, just tell him. Yeah. And yeah. um, something there are some these signs like presume a spouse. I mean, for some women, you could say, and most men would probably most, yeah, just walk into a bedroom naked sometime or something like that and such. And that works. But, you know, men also, we do like to be pursued in other ways yes. as well. I mean, sometimes I, I'll say to Allie, like, hey, do you want to watch a show with me? No, not right now. And when that happens, it's kind of like, I'm thinking, where are you? Yes, you just really don't want to be with me because, I mean, there are ways I want her to be with me other than sex. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's just all this give and take. I think God has made this relationship where it's wonderful, but it's also a challenge. And maybe the reason it's a challenge is because it gives us the opportunity to grow. And uh, I, I think it would just really depend on a person, of course, I think the five love languages are a great book for couples to go through here together. But, I mean, ladies, for your man, I mean, if you like sports, for instance, sit down and watch the game with him sometime. Yeah. Such. And for me, I don't care for sports, but video games are my thing. And if Allie doesn't want to play a game with me, well, that's fine. But, you know, when she sits there and watches, it's really great, although... I hate it whenever I, I do die in a game or something. She goes, oh, you died. Like, yeah, thanks for, you know, pointing that out and such. <laughs> but it, but just the watching and the support means a lot. And heck, one of my friends told me there was even a chapter in a Gary Thomas book, Loving Him Where, where Gary actually says to the wives, let him play video games sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I will say that there was one time in our marriage, well, my husband loves the game Axes and Allies. Does mm-hmm. anyone, do you know what that is? Uh, yeah, I do. I've never played it. Apparently, it's like a whole World War II yep. reenactment thing. There's like all these little <laughs> men and ships and stuff on the board. It's huge. It takes hours to play. Hours to play. Mm-hmm. And he, in our first few years of marriage, he kept asking me. I was like, no, 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 no. Finally, I one time I played the game with him, one time, and uh, and I and I played it 
liked because because I, I wanted something and he finally said, well, if you'll play that game with me, and I was like, OK, <laughs> so I did. I got in my I got my one check mark, mm-hmm. but I have not played that again. But I have played many <laughs> game, other games with him since <laughs> we, we've got a, a funny story here where I had known the Wii that we originally had. I downloaded the Super Mario Brothers game, the very original first one. And I was oh, wow. going to sit down and go through it. And I said, oh, put it on two-player. I want to play two. I said, okay. And I told her at the start, I know all the warp zones and such. I know all the secrets to this game. I'm not going to take any warp zones. I want to go straight through the game. And I did. On one life entirely. Didn't die a single time or anything. At the end, she said, I don't think I want to play anymore. It's like, it can't be perfection there, okay? <laughs> it, it, it's just a funny story thing, though, because I'm sitting there thinking that she's probably watched the, He's got to die sometimes. Come on, come on. He's, he's got it. He's got it. How did he do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, these things that, w- that we find are interesting mm-hmm. to us, um, a lot of times we think it's about the thing, but it's about the the person spending, yes. sharing your thing yes. with someone. Um yes. So there are things that you do. And, you, and the funny thing is we often do this when we're dating. And then yeah. we do stop it when we're married a lot yeah. of times. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard people do this kind of things where they're like, oh, well, I used to always go, you know, watch him bowl or whatever when we were dating. But we got married and I re- I don't have time for that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, that was probably something he really loved about mm-hmm. your relationship. Now, I, I'm not saying that for the rest of her life, she needs to watch him ball. But I am saying that like every now and then to make, um, to make those efforts to be with each other and kind of part of your wooing each other is showing interest in the other person's interests and, uh, just showing you value them. And by the way, if you watch him bow, cheer him on no matter what, let, let him know (laughs) how proud you are of how he did. Cause when he, he's going there, he knows you're watching. I guarantee you, He's trying his hard to do his best just to impress you. Ah, uh, that's great. Now let's talk about another one. I mean, this one, it, it this one's not one that anyone struggles with really at all. And that's our body and self-image. I mean, we we can be so thankful that no one struggles with that, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, so many. And I gotta say, I think that um, I think that men are struggling more and more with this too, because there's been more and more mm-hmm. focus on uh, men being. Um, muscular, yeah. especially. Yeah, I, I make a joke that uh, Ari wanted to go see the Aquaman movie, so we went to see it together, and I said, yes, Ari loved that movie. It was because of the um, plot. That's what she <laughs> that, That's what she really liked. I mean, there was this meme of her. That's, that's a Jason M- Momoa, right? Yep, there was this meme of him in the movie that you can see online. This guy a picture, and it says, moms be like, I'll take you to see Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, th- the funny thing is, I mean, you, you find out uh, we have all these superheroes and we have all these these things going on. And and uh, oh, my gosh, I f- actually feel for those guys in so many ways because mm-hmm. I've read what they do to have to get ready for those roles. And they the diets they put themselves on and the four hours in the gym a day. And the, I mean, who could no one can do that. And um and so it's just completely unrealistic mm-hmm. what we see out there. And so many of the images that we see on magazines and media are, um, are they're, they're tampered with to look better than the person actually is. Mm-hmm. So we, we come up with these ideas of what we're supposed to look like, or we just compare ourselves to other people around mm-hmm. us. 
and sometimes we compare ourselves to um, some other period in our lives. Um, yeah. Like I've, you know, I've definitely hit middle age and uh, my midsection is not as small as it used to be. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and it can be, uh, it can be hard to be like, man, I want the waist I had when I was 30, mm-hmm. but I'm not 30, you know, yeah. I, it's just not, it's not going to happen again. And there's enough mm-hmm. to celebrate mm-hmm. about who I am now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of think for some strange reason, I don't really struggle with this too much mm-hmm. with Allie because I've seen her get excited about me before and that's absolutely astounding to me. So I kind of act the exact opposite. Maybe it's a nerd thing for me because being a nerdy guy, when you find a, a woman who loves you, it's like, oh my gosh, really? Me? Me? You picked me? You want me out of all the men in the world? You want me and such? And I go, I... I I walk with confidence around her because like you are the only woman who loves me this way and loves me for me like this. So like I I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's it's some people really don't struggle as much. Some mm-hmm. people struggle a lot. Um it depends on, you know, kind of your personality, your sensitivities, what you've experienced before. But if you have those issues, um and I t- and I hear from so many wives who struggle to get naked in front of their husbands mm-hmm. because they don't feel they they don't look like they want to look mm-hmm. for their husbands. And the vast majority of husbands I hear from say, "I don't even see what she's talking about. She's yeah. beautiful." Yeah, yeah. And um, and it's not that they're stupid. It's not they don't know that you have you know more pounds than you used to or or, you know, whatever it is that they, but they see, but when you see somebody that, you know, you don't just see their appearance, you see them, the person Yep. and their appearance is a piece of that, (laughs) but it's a piece of the whole. And so, you know, when I look at my husband, to me, he's the sexiest man alive. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I get into, you know, it can be a room of 500 people and the guy I want to go home with is my husband. And that is because um, not only do I think he's good looking, which I do objectively think he's good looking, but I have all this history with him. I know him. I I know that person that he is, and mm-hmm. it's just all wrapped up in how I feel about him. And I think that's true for husbands with their wives, too. Yeah. I posted something in your group recently about this, where I said... This and I think a lot of ladies might have been shocked by this. I think most of the guys who said, Ladies, when you come and you're uh, scared to be naked in front of us, when you hide behind the towel or anything like that, it gives us the feeling you don't trust us, you think we're judging you, you think we don't think you're beautiful, you think we're lying when we say things like that, and it is a kind of rejection to us men. Yeah, I I definitely think it can feel like that mm-hmm. for a lot of of men, and mm-hmm. they and they feel like why why don't you trust me? Yeah. Why I just told you you're beautiful and you batted it away, and I meant it genuinely. And yeah. so I think they can feel very hurt by that. Um, now I will say from the a lot of women's perspectives, mm-hmm. again, it's one of those things where it may have nothing to do with him in yeah. the sense that she has had. Mm-hmm thousands upon thousands of messages Mm 
growing up and in the culture about what is she supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And so as important as our husband's opinion is, it is really hard for his voice. It Mm -hmm. takes a long time for his voice Mm -hmm. to replace that, all Mm -hmm. the messages received. And she has to, has to be willing to absorb them. Yeah. And ultimately she has to, get her worth from knowing her creator is who actually made this body and this look. And so when you feel confident about that, then you can, you can embrace the compliments that people give you. Yeah. I, I I can definitely say, I mean, like for instance, if we were together in the living room or something and Ari says, I'm going to go take a shower and such. My ears perk up immediately. And it's like, Okay, did I hear that? Is there like, any chance whatsoever and things like that and such? I mean, that's how much we guys value seeing our wife's body. I mean, even if we don't get to have sex, we value seeing because I, I mean, I, I've said, you know, if you took me to see the Mona Lisa, the Taj Mahal, Niagara Falls, Grand Canyon, Jerusalem, even if I, I went on vacation seeing one of those, and she would say something like, you know, like, I was saying, Hey, yeah, how'd you like to go back to our room and see another site instead? I was like, yeah, we're heading straight to the car. I'm probably speeding the whole way to get back. Because <laughs> that is the site I want to see the most. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, too, we have to understand that God, in, you know, made us in this complimentary way. We made us, our bodies different where it's not just that you're the beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about your beauty. It's also about your differences. Yeah. And so, um, I actually learned a new term last week that I didn't know, but kind of the way men, men's hip bones are different from women's and they kind of have that, the curvature. I'm sorry, Jason Momoa has this. Anyway, there's something called an Apollo's belt around a man's hip bone. They kind of have this little inner curvatures and, um, and it's very different from a woman, very Mm -hmm. different from how a woman is made there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is something that, that, uh, women often notice. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not, oftentimes women are not as visual as men are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it, it told a lot of wives, look, men seem to be really fascinated by her curves mm-hmm. and the softness yeah. of her skin. Compared oh, yes. to his. And, you know, just the differences and yeah. the, you know, the private places that are just, you know, nothing like what he has. Oh yeah. And yeah. so those are just really exciting. Mm-hmm. I remember you made a post a few weeks back or so asking, guys, what is it that you, why is it you find certain parts of your wife's body particularly appealing yeah. and such? And you were asking us all to be respectful. I think we were, and most of us gave this great answer. We don't know. We <laughs> just do. But one thing I said is, you know, and I think it's a danger we can fall because it makes God seem like guys are crass. They care so much about, about the bars. And, no, guys, we are a bodily faith. Our Lord came and lived in a body. As a carpenter, I'm sure he got calluses on his hands mm-hmm. and such. He walked the earth. He ate. He drank. He used the bathroom. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think also we have to remember that when God created everything in those, um, mm. I guess in the first five days and he created everything and he said, it is good. Mm. And then after he created man and woman, he said, it is very good. Mm-hmm. 
And so we need to always remember that, that, you know, God's creation of us in our bodies here mm-hmm. on earth is very good. And something also I think women need to I have my own men's group on Facebook, which is a private group yeah. just for Christian men, and not just married men, but men who are engaged in dating and such, so we can learn in advance from married men how to be good husbands and such. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I did, I went and created a poll in that group. I said, guys, can pick one of the two. I mean, every guy would like both. They can pick two. You're the woman that you want to have sex with. You can either have A, an incredible body, or B, incredible passion. Which one oh. do you want? It was a passion. very one-sided vote. Everyone voted for passion. Everyone. Yeah. That, and that, is, a, that is a big thing, is to have a, um, a wife who is wants to be with you um, and just generally speaking in your relationship, but also in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've told a lot of wives, look, confidence and enthusiasm go a long way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's uh, move on to another question here. How often should we make love? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So I've actually given an opinion on this one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So in the chapter, it's really a matter of you two figuring out what is going to work for you. You went for Um, every day, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there are people who are going, yes, please say every day. So I can turn to my spouse and say, see, the expert said every day. yeah, if you want to have sex every day, knock yourselves out. But I, I say you should be having sex at least once a week mm-hmm. um, because anything that takes some real physical activity that you do less less than that is not going to feel good when you do it. <laughs> it's especially true for wives. There's mm-hmm. kind of a use it or lose it component for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And so our bodies, um, we, we just we need a little more frequency. Mm-hmm. for everything to, to be good. And, um, but I would say also biologically and just on relationships, the ones that are in healthy places, they're, they're usually having sex at least two to three times a week. Yeah. Um, so that would be kind of, I would say everybody needs to aim for two to three times a week, but at the same time, song of songs, five, one, um, says drink your fill of lovers. Mm-hmm be intoxicated with love. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it says in uh, Proverbs five nineteen, I think is where it also says, um, yep. may your yep. brat satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. And I, I find it fascinating that God actually uses the word intoxicated mm-hmm. about l- sexual love between a husband and wife. Like he's basically saying, yeah, you don't really have to worry as much about moderation and the lovemaking thing. If y'all want to go at it every day, drink your fill. Yeah. And a guy can't be intoxicated if it's not being shared. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's that's true. Mm-hmm. And um, and that whole, you know, this whole Song of Songs book is great for a couple to read together because you see all, all so many of these things that we've talked about already. Yeah. You see this couple pursuing one another. You see this couple uh, praising one another's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you see them having this mutual lovemaking and, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I'd like to remind everyone at this point, you're listening to the Deeple Barters podcast. I've got Jay Parker here talking about her book, Pillow Talk. But if you're here next week, you know, we've been talking about how awesome sex is here. Well, we're still going to be talking about that, but we're going to be encouraging young people. Wait until you're married. And I'm going to have Greg Speck on here with his book, Sex, It's Worth the Wait. And particularly at younger people and such who aren't married yet and are tempted to give in before marriage. We're going to talk about why you should really wait and hold off. And say, I think you definitely second that entirely now, wouldn't you? Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, I, I know the example you gave, we give the um, people talk about, oh, well, you could get pregnant or you could get an STD. And yes, those are concerns. But there's just so many more deeper reasons. And I'm sure Greg will go into them Um mm-hmm. But, you know, your hearts are involved, your souls are involved in this, and you want to be um, responsible mm-hmm. how you handle this gift from God. Now, since you were talking about our bodies, let's just go to another chapter, describing our intimate parts. Because this can be very awkward for a lot of couples, especially when you think where I'm supposed to use good language and such, as if talking about the body that God designed is dirty. Yeah. So this is the other thing is how we express speaking about our body parts has been uh, a topic of conversation. You know, what do, what do we call things? And does that show the kind of love and respect our spouse wants to hear about their bodies? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I especially hear this from some wives who will say, well, you know, my husband wants to use it labels for my parts that I feel like are dirty. Um, should I, should I let him do that? And it's like, you know what? We really should be being loving and respectful. Um, and, and you guys need to negotiate what that looks like and make sure that you are, um, that you are just honoring each other. I mean, there's a, there's a verse about that honor one another above yourselves. And that comes all the way into the bedroom. Um, and, and you may not, you may not know what works for your spouse. And some people come up with just fabulous, cute, wonderful euphemisms. And that can also be a very tender, sweet thing for a couple to have their own kind of nicknames or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it just needs to be something that really makes you both feel cherished. Mm-hmm. Now you also have chapters, two chapters, one on the anatomy of a man, and one on the anatomy of a woman. Why do you think this is necessary? Cause I mean, Hey, we can both look at one another. We know what our bodies are like, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, we think we do. We think oftentimes, okay, well, I know what sex is. It's you put, you know, tab A in slot B and it's all good. Mm-hmm. But there's actually, it's a very intricate system that, that God created. And there's different places mm-hmm. that have different sensitivities down there for both mm-hmm. for both man and woman. Yeah. And once we learn a little bit more about those parts... And we're able to speak about them specifically. We can kind of help um, direct mm-hmm. each other too. You can say, "Well, this is where I like to be touched." And did you know that my body works like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and not too often we assume we know. Mm-hmm. And also, there's because we're individuals. There's, you know, I can say for certain. Let's. Um, I'll just take this one. I can say for certain that the head of the penis is going to be more uh, sensitive than the shaft. Mm-hmm. I hope I can say that on your program. Yeah, you just did. <laughs> I was going to say, just, but but I don't. I can't say exactly how sensitive 
that is going to be for one man over another mm-hmm. or where on that. I mean, that's more individual or how he likes to be touched and things like that. But once you know a little bit more of the actual anatomy and you understand how those things work, then you can learn more about each other specifically. Mm-hmm. I know Ari once told me, he said, I really wish you'd learn to touch me in such and such a way and such. And I hadn't thought about that before. So I went online, did some research, no pornography, no videos instructing or anything, just written stuff that I could go through. And there are places you can learn these kind, this kind of thing online, such as your blog and such. Yeah. And she definitely appreciated that I went and learned this kind of thing. It really meant a lot. And it had been something I'd never understood. And it reminds me of one of the advi- pieces of advice usually given to men is, Go slow. Yeah. yeah. I, I think a lot of times, too, men in particular, mm-hmm. they um, they like to feel like if they're going to do something, they want to feel mastery yeah. over it. Mm-hmm. They want to feel like they're good at it. And as, since you talked about it before, the identity um, being tied up so much in sexuality, so then you want to be you want to be a good lover. You want to be a good lover for your wife. You want to be your hero. And then if you're in there and you're like, well, this isn't actually working. She's not really responding the way I thought she she would. And then some husbands will think, well, I guess she's not, you know, I guess she's just not very arousing. Whereas maybe if he knew a little more, did a little more homework, asked her more about things then mm. they could figure out what works for her. Mm. Um, and I also, in turn, you know, wives need to be careful about how they say stuff to their husbands. Because if you go, well, don't touch me like that. How are you touching me like that? Like that's Some guys will shut down because oh, yeah. they're like, well, I can't even, you know, I'm trying to be a good lover and I guess I'm not. And then they don't want to do the thing because they can't even do it well. Yeah, uh, that, that, that applies even to housework and such. If you ask your man to clean the dishes and he does it, but he doesn't do it perfectly. And the first thing he gets is criticism. He's not going to try again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so it's, you know, you have to work together on these things and find these new ways to communicate. But we need to get over this idea that we're supposed to arrive in the marital bedroom knowing exactly how to make love beautifully every time. It's it's like anything else you do. You have to learn. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, and the fact that you've seen some movie scenes doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can do it. I mean, I can watch... I don't know. I could watch a whole bunch of videos of skateboard tricks, and that doesn't mean that I can get on a sta- skateboard and do the trick. Yeah. <laughs> As a gamer, for instance, I've had times I've tried to get past a certain level, be at a certain bar, and I'll go and I'll watch a video and think, this guy makes it look easy. Hey, I can do that. I can do that. Go back and say, how the heck did that guy do that? I can't figure this out and such. But the, but the truth is that when by the time somebody's at that point that they're doing a, you know, a YouTube video or something and showing their they're gaming. Um, they've played for hundreds and hundreds of hours, you know? So I think it's the same thing too is, is, and I, this is one of the good things of kind of being my age is that I do have enough background that I can tell you some things that will work and some things that won't work. Um, and so I can maybe help you, uh, you know, cut down on the amount of the length of time to get to sort of mastery in the bedroom. But you also just have to be willing to kind of invest in that. And some of it is just basic knowledge of human anatomy. You know, How did it, God make our bodies? 
this is also, I think, one of the dangers for couples who decide we're going to do things like live together before marriage and have sex together before marriage. Like, but we want to make sure the sex is good for us and such because that's setting yourself up for kind of a disaster. I mean, Kevin Lehman in his book Sheet Music says, most couples may talk about their wedding night and such, but it doesn't send them to the moon and back. They give it a D if they have to grade it and such because you're just learning and you're going to make a whole lot of mistakes. Yeah. But I mean, but there's also the, but you still have that excitement. Yeah. Um, and so it's not, it's okay not to be perfect together. Yeah. That's part of the journey together and it's part of a shared experience mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, in fact, there's something very, very sweet about being able to be vulnerable with your spouse and just say, and I don't, I don't know where to touch you. Can you show me where to touch you? Mm-hmm. And, and ladies, I can tell you, if you tell your man something like, could you touch me here? I really like, like that in the bedroom. You will make his night entirely just by saying that. <laughs> now, let's talk some sadly about the darker side here. Has porn affected us? When we uh, when we're driving here in Atlanta, it's amazing. I only listen to talk radio pretty much, and I can hear several commercials for guys struggling with erectile dysfunction. And usually, I turn to Ali and I say, "I think that's because of porn." Yeah, I, you know, porn is just entirely different from when I was growing up. You had to seek it out, mm-hmm. and now you have to block it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's an issue for a lot of people and, and, a, you know, secular culture acts like, well, that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not what you do <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it twists our opinions about sex in so many different ways because we get a wrong idea of what supposed to sex is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a, a wrong idea of how of of sex being about our selfish pleasure because if you watch porn the whole point is it's geared toward you personally experiencing pleasure there's mm-hmm. no you're not giving anything back mm-hmm. you're just taking um and, but that's not at all what a real sexual relationship is like mm-hmm. and um and you just and you just get twisted conceptions, and you also kind of um, train your brain. You can train your brain to be more turned on by visuals and self pleasure than than being in a real mutual intimate experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not just a guy's problem anymore. There are plenty of no. women struggling with pornography. There are a lot of couples as well who who think that watching together. I've talked to some Christians who say, "Well, we, we're kind of struggling with the bedroom. We were thinking about watching porn together." And don't, please don't. Um, and what? And I will say this: the studies kind of seem to show that if you if you did start watching porn, what would probably happen is you would, for a short while, likely have an uptick in in sexual frequency. And then you might think, oh, well, this is great, but in the long term, it would get, it would go down because you can't, because you're having just short uptake, but you now are focused on a sexual relationship. That is what I talked about earlier is parallel pleasure. Yeah. And you have undermined 
this real intimacy. And it's only in that kind of committed experience that you get all of the physical benefits, all of the emotional benefits mm-hmm. from sex. Mm-hmm. And so you're shortchanging yourself on that long term. Um, and so it's just, it's a very bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to mention, it's uh, it's a sin. You're mm-hmm. bringing third parties into your bedroom and your, your marriage bed is supposed to be exclusively husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but a guy who does that and then goes make love for his wife, he'll be talking about, now, how did this guy do that? And he will wind up comparing his wife to that woman there because there's always a certain appeal about what you don't have. Yeah. What you do have. You know, and the funny thing is, as you talked about earlier, it's kind of um, women often are worried that if their husband has watched porn, it means that she is being compared to the appearance mm-hmm. of a woman in porn. Yeah. But I think what's really happening is all too often men are comparing their wives' enthusiasm oh, yes. to the enthusiasm of the woman in the porn film. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? That woman was paid a, a money to be enthusiastic. It's not real. Mm-hmm. It's not, <laughs> you know, it, it's just not. Yeah. I, I can say when I, I'm, we're watching a movie or TV show and there is a scene like that in there, what catches my nose most is the passion. That's what's most appealing. Yeah. And people think, well, that's, you know, why, why is it my wife as passionate as that woman? I wish she would come after me mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, well, also, that's just a wrong attitude because it's like, why isn't this person de- doing things for me sexually? It's very self-focused. Mm-hmm. And maybe the question needs to be, hmm, I wonder what I could do to get my wife to that level of enthusiasm. Yeah. But also, I mean, just don't even do that. Just deal with your wife yeah. and and ask, you know, what what is what is this relationship supposed to look like? And I, I often tell guys, guys, you know, if you watch pornography, you're basically being a coward. Because you're, you're really saying, I can't go out there and get a real woman on my own and love a real woman on my own, seduce a real woman on my own. So I'll sit over this fake woman, as it were, who doesn't even know me, but is willing to put on a show for me. And it's something that requires no risk whatsoever, you're really making yourself less of a man when you do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, and I know, I, I mean, I understand that the temptation toward it. And so, I mean, if somebody's out there struggling, come on, fight it, find some resources and, you know, choose something so much better for your life and your marriage. Mm-hmm. Generally, we know that, for instance, in First Corinthians 7, Paul says, don't withhold except by mutual consent and been only for a short time, but how, how should a wife respond if she catches her husband watching pornography? Is withholding entirely wrong then and such or what? Um, you know, I I think that the the point of that it's kind of interesting because the point of that whole passage in First Corinthians seven, three through five, a lot of times there's a focus on on frequency, and I think that's important. Um, but I think the main point of the passage is mutuality. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that if you've got a situation where he is choosing porn over her again and again, well, who's withholding what? 
(laughs) So he's withholding his sexual attention and interest and desire and fulfillment from her. Mm-hmm. And so I think now I'm not saying that sex should therefore stop. It just kind of depends on the situation. For instance, if he's fighting it and he had a, a lapse, um, that's an entirely different situation from mm-hmm. the husband who's like, well, I'm just going to watch porn and you should put up with it. Well, no, you shouldn't put up with it. And if a man thinks that he gets to watch porn all day and then bed his wife at night, I think it's reasonable for her to say, I think you're withholding your sexual self from me and you cannot expect me to just hand you all of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. How do I entrust you with that? Yeah. And I, I'd also encourage people, I mean, this isn't something that I've ever struggled with and such, but there are p- plenty of people who do. And there are great things to do. I often tell guys, if, like if you want to get some like covenant eyes or something like that and ha- have me be an accountability partner, Go ahead, no problem. Talk to a guy you can trust about this. And also consider getting into a group. Like my wife and I both attend Celebrate Recovery together. Oh, yeah. And that's an excellent group as well for guys who are struggling with pornography. Right. Um, do you know much of I, the Triple X Church yes. site? Yes. Seems to have really good resources. And it's, um, I think it's xxxchurch.com. Yeah. But they also have X3 groups. And so I periodically talk to somebody who says, I I live in an area where there's really nothing here. And I say, you know what? They have online small groups. (laughs) So, you know, that's another potential resource for people um, to go get help. And don't don't feel bad about needing help because that is, this is a very common thing. You know, persistent porn use is an area where um, it makes a lot of sense to go get some outside help. You know, since you mentioned him, I mean, this is a matter for us men who do honor our wives and not watch pornography and such. A Craig Gross did write a book with Shanti Feldhorn, Who a Man's Eyes and such. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about that before, and so many men appreciate this kind of analogy and such because I've talked about, you know, I remember going walking through the mall because a man's world is really a very dangerous place to live in inside of our heads and such, because every woman is attractive in some way. And so I'm talking about going through Marin once, because we used to go to a church fair, and I was with some friends and such, I was out walking by myself, and I came across Victoria's Secret. <laughs> so I yeah. look the other way, where another, where another attractive woman is heading straight, going towards me, not c- coming at me, but going the opposite way of me and such, and Oh, great. Then I see a, a place where they've got all these programs out there, people advertising, and when there's a spa, I think I'll go look and see how much things will cost. And there's a picture of a woman with very little left imagination. Like, yeah. Great. And I, I, if, I told, if I could give an analogy to women about what it's like being in a man's war of temptation, I'd say, okay, picture yourself. You're on a diet. You're trying really hard. And you have to lose those last 10 pounds. But you also have to go to the grocery store. And while you're at the grocery store, you have to go down that aisle. I don't know which one it is. It could be the cookies, the chocolate, the ice cream aisle, whichever aisle it is. You have to go down that aisle and resist temptation. Welcome to a world your man lives in every single day where women are constantly being used in media for sexuality and such. And 
Now, I'm not saying it's wrong, but women go out in public, try and look their best. They should. But it's very tempting for a man. And he goes through all that, and he stays faithful. He's so proud of himself. Comes home to you. Shut down entirely. It's very difficult for a man. Yeah, this this is a struggle for some men, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, our culture, there's... There are a lot of images out there with very little left to the imagination. And a lot of women don't know exactly how that, that how their dressing is having quite the effect it's having. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think that I used to say a lot of things more like a bouncing your eyes. And I think that I, I do think if it's just like an image, if it's a Victoria's Secret poster, just don't look that way. I mean, there's mm. no there's no reason you don't have to, you don't have to purposefully look at magazines or images or something. Yeah. Um, learn to ignore the billboards, whatever. There are um, pastors who can have a very hard time with a sermon if a woman's very reviewing V-neck in the front row. Yeah, well, but but then the other thing is, too, is I think about how Jesus, you know, interacted with women of all kinds of reputations. Yeah. And, um, and he didn't, you know, he managed to to do it in a way that saw not just their appearance, but the person. And so sometimes I think that our response should actually be to think more about this. Like I, I there was a, a conversation in, in uh, that was had with some women about how this woman had had chemistry with this guy who had started to work at her office. And she was very aware of him, you know, being attractive and this and that. And we, and we kind of, counseled her and what, what do you do about that? And some of the ideas were, it, they weren't, they were avoid him when you didn't have to, but at the same time, like if you interact with him, then things like, you know, talk about being married, ask him about his wife, remember that he has kids, remember that, you know, all the life that he leads and this and this and that. And I think that's what we often are trying to get out. Maybe not so well, but when we say things like that girl over there is someone's daughter, you know, or someone's mother. Mm-hmm. But I think the ideas that we're trying to get at mm-hmm. that person that you, that you think is attractive that you're maybe tempted by, um, they're not just the V-neck sweater and the cleavage. They're yeah. an entire person. And if you look at them and you maybe start thinking, huh, I wonder if she gardens or whatever. I don't know. You can actually kind of get your mind to go past the appearance thing and see the person and and we kind of need to be able sometimes to live in that world. I mean, like if you, I live 30 minutes from the beach, mm-hmm. you cannot go to the beach and not see somebody who is dressed in a way that is um, provocative. Mm-hmm. And so what, you know, if you live in that culture um, and I, you know, if you, people who know this, I, I remember having conversations with people who lived in West Texas versus me living in a beach town growing up. And we were much more relaxed about what we were, but some of it is because we had a very different culture and yeah. we had kind of learned to be around each other. Um, and so you do just kind of have to see people, um, and not just parts. Yeah. Well, I like to remind everyone at this point, you're listening to Deeper Warbucks podcast and everything we do here is listener supported by people like you. And I want to really encourage you to support our ministry financially, you know, just go to my website, deeperwatersproject.com. There's a link on the side, help support the work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries. And uh, you click that link in there, you get taken to the ministry of Risen Jesus. Have you gone to the right place? Yes, those are my in-laws, Mike and Debbie Lacona. You make a donation, 
and it will be tax deductible and it'll go to us just notify mike or debbie or myself or Allie. say hey i made a donation i want to go to nick peters i want to go to deeper waters then there are some ebooks that i have written we're one right now that's the creed will be ages and the apostles creed and today's christian and some that i have co-written um defining inerrancy contextualizing inerrancy god and natural disasters christian answers to this generation's questions and i want to emphasize groundless for one reason right now it's a response to dan barker's book godless he's the uh, former pastor who, returned, who became an atheist and such and i want to talk about that one for a little bit let you all know about an event that's coming up and that's going to be here at the university of north georgia games fair that he's going to be here and they wanted to get in touch with someone for debate and they contacted mike lacona to see if he would debate dan barker which he's done before mike said it's going to be on the topic of does god exist mike said no but i think i know someone who will so next month, I will be debating Dan Barker at the University of North Georgia, Gainesville, on March 18th. And I'd appreciate your prayers and support for that. I'm doing a lot of studying, a lot of reading and such, being ready as best I can. And such, it's the first time I've done a live, in-person debate. And I'm really looking forward to it. So if you want to see some of my replies to Dan Barker, they're right there. I'm not saying what I'm doing in my studies, because I want to keep that kind of secret and such. But rest assured, I'm being prepared. I do think it's going to be live streamed, so I really hope you all will consider watching the debate. And if if I do record it, which I'm pretty sure I will, I'll try and put it on the Deeper Barbers podcast as an episode. And now also, another thing you can do to help support us is jewelry. Now, Jay, I'm guessing, like many women, you love the jewelry, don't you? <laughs> I do like some jewelry, yeah. Well, guys, we have a jewelry store. And you you don't, you don't even have to just buy this for your wives. we got Mother's Day coming up. Mother's like jewelry just as much. I mean, Jay, you've got grown sons. I'm sure you wouldn't complain if some of them got you jewelry. I, I, have, I have a ring my sons bought me for Mother's Day, so yes. Yep. I'm holding up my hand to show it, audience. (laughs) (laughs) And guys, what you can do is you can purchase some jewelry of that woman you love. And whatever you purchase, 25% of that purchase goes towards deeper waters. You can really help our ministry out that way just by purchasing jewelry that you would have already purchased anyway. Guys, you know what I always tell you around this time. That you can buy something special for that lady in your life to make up that screw-up that you recently had with her, or you can buy something special of that lady in your life to make up that screw-up that I know you're going to make with her. And if you can't do any of these, please go on uh, the uh, iTunes page and such. Leave a positive review of the Deeper Waters podcast. I'd really love to see it. Tell your friends, family about it, anything you can to spread the word. <laughs> Now, Jay, do you have an organization or a charity you'd like to see people donate to? You know, I don't have a specific one that I talk about, but I basically say that the the one thing that really does prick my heart is sexual trafficking. Mm -hmm. And so I know that there's some great organizations out there. And if you come upon one that's doing some really good work in in rescuing uh, people from sexual trafficking, what a Mm -hmm. difference that would make. Just Mm -hmm. even one life 
really saved. I, I did recently email. I haven't heard back yet. I did email the lady behind Hookers for Jesus mm. who does the sexual trafficking and such. And now they're not actual hookers and such, but they've escaped that life and such. So I am interested in doing a show on sexual trafficking sometime. Yeah, yeah. Now, let's talk, get back to the book here. We talk about pornography, so let's go with the idea about, about rebuilding trust in the bedroom. And this isn't just pornography. This is also about dealing with abuse, isn't it? Yeah, like, I mean, there are just things that can, past experiences that we've had that can erode our trust. Mm -hmm. And we just, we're not really sure how to come back from that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we have to figure out what we can do to reestablish that trust. Mm -hmm. So adultery is the one that a lot of people have, but also it could even be that porn use we talked about. I mean, that yeah. feels like a betrayal. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's hard, like you talk about, you know, should she still continue to sleep with him for a lot of wives? There's just kind of a, a, a numb period where she needs to grieve and figure out how to reestablish trust. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just these things can kind of get in the way and we, we don't want to leave them there. I understand that there's a grieving process, but we don't, we need to be able to trust one another. It's a very vulnerable experience to be naked and intimate with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have some trust involved. Mm -hmm. Now let's uh, talk about that one aspect of this though with the whole abuse thing. Because mm -hmm. how can a couple get past abuse? And it's not just with women who are abused. Men are also abused. But usually when you have these struggles, it is the woman who's struggling with it the most. Yeah, so... I have a brief uh, thing in the addendum about past sexual abuse, and I really think you need to be able to tell your spouse what happened, for one thing. Um, this does not mean reliving with details. That's mm -hmm. entirely different. But I know that there are spouses out there that they are, maybe they're not having sex or not engaging in sex, and their spouse doesn't even know that they have an abuse past. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that you need to, you need to say that and say, this is why I'm struggling. Um, it's understandable. I mean, this was used against you. This is what I kind of compare it to is if I hand you a baseball bat and, um, and hit you with it, then you think a baseball bat is for hitting. But then if I say, Oh, we'll take that baseball bat. And it's really for hitting a ball. Yeah, it's for hitting, but not not for hitting people. Right? It's for hitting. It's for hitting a ball, and you and you'd be like, well, but it was always used for hitting, you know. But it hurt me before. I don't want to be around a bat. It hurt mm -hmm. me, and well, understandable. And so, you know, there's this process. Is that it's a misuse. It's not the sex itself mm -hmm. that was wrong, but it was the abuse is just completely wrong use of what God designed. It's a complete mm -hmm. evil twisting of it, mm -hmm. and so. We need to move away from that use and embrace the good use. And that means being able to just tell your spouse what happened. And then you may also really need to get some trauma support. And I give some um, resources for that. And be able to talk about triggers with your spouse. Mm -hmm. What what triggers memories of that? And what I will say is, too, I, I know people who experienced abuse and it took a little bit of time and intention and some healing. But honestly, years later, they really 
they remember what happened to them, but it's not a defining thing for their sexuality at all. Yeah. So you can, you can absolutely get past this, but you have to be willing to take this, the steps to address it and, and together and make mm-hmm. this a, a we problem. We're going to fight this terrible thing that happened to you together. Mm-hmm. You have a book, God Loves Sex by Trimble Longman and Dan Allender. Mm-hmm. For instance, Dan Allender, I think, did go through sexual abuse and now he writes books on overcoming sexual abuse. Yeah, his book, The Wounded Heart, is often um, recommended mm-hmm. for people who've gone through any kind of abuse to, to find healing, too. Mm-hmm. So, And then the, the RAIN Network, um, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, has mm-hmm. a lot of resources. Um, let's move on to another topic here, and that's the topic of foreplay. And honestly, this one kind of surprised me. It becomes such an issue because I... I hear on non-vip so many women talking marriage groups like, I wish my husband would engage in more foreplay. And I'm thinking, um, guys, why wouldn't you? That's just more time you can have with her like that. Why would you not want to? It makes no sense to me. <laughs> I, I think there's just kind of an eagerness to get to the you know main event. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of um, a lot of husbands in particular feel like the uh, the foreplay is the warm up entertainment, and they came for the main show. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, but the whole thing. But the truth is, if you know, you can have all of it. Like, why can't you have all the entertainment and really enjoy it all? Um, and oftentimes, if you know, if you have a good foreplay experience, it's going to make the main event much mm-hmm. better, and that really helps wives too. I just most women bio- biologically it takes us longer to become aroused. So um, our biology is a little more responsive than proactive typically. Mm-hmm. And so we need some more foreplay. Um, we just need a little more time uh, mm-hmm. spent during that. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, also understand that some for women, women sometimes I think have the idea that <clears throat> they need to wait until they're in the mood to do things, or, you know, it's just not honest, such amazing, but I know plenty of times a woman can start out, from my understanding, not being in the mood, but then maybe 10 or 15 minutes, oh, all of a sudden she's into it then, and it's okay for a woman to do things, even if she's not really in the mood, isn't it? Yeah, I think that, I think the question is not, are you in the mood, it's can you get in the mood, um, because, I mean, it's kind of like when you're, so, Wives who are listening, it's the thing where let's say your friend called you and said, Hey, you want to go see a movie? And you're like, Ah, oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm all settled on the couch. I don't know if I want to go, you know. And then she's like, Come on, it's going to be this and this, this and that, and da da da. And I'll come get you and we'll do this and we'll do that. And then we'll go, you know, blah, blah. And then you're like, Okay, I guess I'll give it a shot. And then, you know, Three hours later, you're walking out of the movie theater laughing, happy, thrilled that you went. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes that we need to take that attitude towards sex that we say, not, am I in the mood or am I not in the mood? It's, hey, can it, you know, hey, let's give this a shot. And and I think I can get in the mood. Um, and foreplay's the way, you know, that wooing that we talked about earlier and foreplay are the ways to get you there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at probably not three hours later, but maybe 30 minutes later, you're saying, hey, I'm really glad we did that. 
Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I think we could also <clears throat> say wives realize that sometimes, you know, you might want your husband to take you out to dinner and such. He might not feel like doing it. Mm. Sometimes he might say, you know, I'd rather save the money or I have something else I was going to do tonight and such. But you appreciate it when he takes the effort and just does it anyway, regardless of his feelings. And, oh, I kind of want to say, what, what is it that you say, well, I love you when I feel like it and such. I mean, that anyone can do the right thing when they feel like it. It's when you don't and you go above and beyond, that means something. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, and that's, you know, for a lot of spouses too, you have to say, I'm just, I'm going to willingly invest in this. Um, and now God intended this to be mutually satisfying. And so that's why there's all these tips too about how to make it good and wonderful once you get there. But you do have to be able to prioritize this and say, you know what, um, this is important. This is important to my spouse. This is important to our marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, what advice then would you give to the guys at this point? Well, yeah, slow down is the, t- is the tip. I, ha- I have a blog post too where it says <laughs> something about the one sex tip I give husbands more than any other is slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just to just be very um, intentional, touch other parts of her body before mm-hmm. you get to what you think are the goody parts. Mm-hmm. Um, really invest in her and, um, and just uh, take your time. You know, I, I mean, imagine that you're touring her body, you know, mm-hmm. and you're, you're on a journey. Um, Being and her not, body like a fine work of art. Yeah. And, and it's not, it's not just the destination. You're on a journey. And mm-hmm. so you can take your time, take the scenic drive, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and enjoy it. Enjoy the view, uh, mm-hmm. enjoy the experience. And that's can make it more likely that she will as well. Yeah. And, and guys, I, I understand guys want to get to the main event such, but I mean, as soon as you get to the main event, that's it. It's done. And you're probably not going to begin to see her and such as much anymore. So enjoy the show. I mean, it makes, yeah. it honestly makes no sense to me, really. Yeah. Well, I think there's just, there's a level of, of eagerness. I also think there's, there's that thing that if you are having more rev, regular lovemaking in your marriage, it's kind of easier to um, extend that. Whereas if it's been a while, I, I think for some men, the, um, the desire for climax is so strong. And mm-hmm. so it can be a little harder to wait. Um, so this is also a good, a good, you know, argument for the two to three times a week is that for, for most men, like if you, they have that much, it's not going to be so that, that drive to get to the end is not going to be so loud for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think we could also say here that, <clears throat> One of the re- things that gets men so anxious sometimes is sometimes if they, they don't get things done in time, as it were, there always is a chance of a premature release and such. But there, there are times that even a guy can say to the lady that he loves, okay, I need to slow down for a little bit or else things are going to end before they get started. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's definitely mm-hmm. true. Now, you've actually got a chapter in there on masturbation as well, which <laughs> yeah. that probably really surprising to a lot of people because, I mean, some people who are listening to this and they're a 
they're not married in such a lot. Well, why is that an issue in marriage? I mean, you get married, you start doing it regularly. I mean, doesn't that take care of things? You know, if you have engaged in this regularly, you've probably gotten used to um, self-pleasuring and Mm -hmm. lovemaking is not the same. And so some Mm -hmm. people can, they don't realize they're going to, but they continue. Um, Other Mm -hmm. people, they maybe use it to, um, because they're not getting as much sex as they would like to have in their marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, if you, if you have a, if you still have a persistent porn use, masturbation is usually part of that too. And so there's all kinds of reasons why it might still be mm-hmm. um, there as a solo thing. Um, now there are, I, I take the position that there, that masturbation just straight out is not necessarily a sin. I don't know where you are on that. Mm-hmm. Um, because my, my sense is there's, there's no direct command uh, mm-hmm. not to do this, but everything in the Bible that I can tell about marriage and about the sexual relationship pretty much is about how our sexual energy and interest is supposed to go and desire is supposed to go toward our spouse. Mm-hmm. And so if you're masturbating in ways depriving your, your spouse, then that's mm-hmm. a problem. Um, but at the same time, I've talked to couples who let's say he is, um, he's stationed in another country for a year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and they decide they are going to, you know, have uh, a phone call and mutually take care of themselves while being connected with each other. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, you know, okay, because they're still directing their their sexual interest toward one another. They're just doing. They just don't have the opportunity to do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't know where you fall on that exactly. But that's kind of the attitude I take. But I really don't get like that specific about it here in the sense that um, this is also something couples kind of have to negotiate a little bit themselves. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has to agree exactly where I come down on something. Mm, I, I agree entirely. And I remember you had a friend. There was a friend in the group recently about a woman wanted to share pictures of her husband and such, and I was the only one who kind of gave a voice of caution as well, because I could understand, but I said, you know, there's also this danger that, you know, a husband can, if he gets a picture of his wife that's very intimate and such, he can start being able to turn to the picture instead of turning to her and such, and that's a great danger, but at the same time, I can say, if you're overseas, if you're a husband overseas in the military, for instance, I can understand, for instance, maybe having, like, say, a Skype phone call where you go on video and you make sure you share things. But definitely, in these cases, um, be very careful with what you're sharing. Make sure that, you know, the line's encrypted and such so no one can hack in and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And this is, um, I mean, it's really funny. Just even a few weeks ago, those people have been paying attention to the news, know that, um, there was a back and forth about uh, some potentially incriminating photographs of, I believe, Jeff Bezos. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the anyway, guy from Amazon. And you, and you got to think, like, how did they get photographs? But then I, but he didn't seem to um, deny that the possibility that there could be such a thing. And so I'm thinking, if somebody managed to get a compromising photograph of the guy who runs Amazon, <laughs> then. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry how hackable 
our stuff is. I'm I'm just a little like that too. I'm like, okay, I just want to be very, very careful. I actually know a couple that they do, they have taken photos of each other and, um, and they, but they use a Polaroid. So there's mm-hmm. no, there's nothing left over. It's just a Polaroid. And the other thing I've said is if you, if you do something like that, if you want to send a photo to your spouse, it's often better to send a very uh, teasing photo that would be embarrassing if it was discovered, but not revealing. So, yeah. um, like I, I had a friend say like, you know, you could take a picture, a woman, a wife could take a picture of herself in, um, wearing, you know, her husband's shirt with like one or two buttons only done or something uh-huh. like that. And so it would be, you know, it would show something, but it wouldn't like show everything. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if her kids saw it when, after she died, they would be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe mom sent that to dad, but they wouldn't be like, I need bleach for my brain now. Yeah. Yeah. That also means something else. If you do this kind of thing, make sure you, uh, hide things where the kids can't find, especially if you save them on a computer, you might want to keep like a locked file or something there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely things you can do to, 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 uh, to protect stuff. There's like, I don't want to scare people because no one's going to come hack you. Like somebody wants to hack Jeff Bezos. Um, but you know, still just, just use caution with these things. Just use mm-hmm. practical caution. Mm-hmm. Now, what about there's a section on communication during sex? That might seem like odd to a lot of people because usually the only communication I think a lot of unmarried think is like shouts of ecstasy and such. But there's a lot of communication that needs to take place, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, you need to be able to talk in the moment, too. Like if something is amiss or you you would like something and you want to be able to speak up for it. Mm-hmm. And um and it really is awkward for a lot of people at first to do that because we just don't it, – it feels weird. Like um, what do we say? How do we say it? Um, we also have an opportunity in that moment. There, There's so much in the Bible about how we speak to each other. And we have an opportunity in that moment too to show love not only through our physical interactions, our, our bodies, but our words. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are beautiful things you can say. I mean, a, a, a man kissing his wife and then saying to her, you are so beautiful. Your body is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that can arouse her as well. And and we and just shows shows love and honor. And so mm-hmm. there are things that we can do to communicate during sex. And yes, it can feel a little awkward at first. Um, also there's also kind of flirta- flirtations you can do too. Um, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people who have kind of wordplay and like I said, nicknames and things like that, that also just make the bedroom a more fun place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about also the concern that a guy can really be enjoying the moment in both the wife might say, Hey, did you remember to go to the store and get such and such? <laughs> Yeah. Golly. And so, I mean, that kind of goes back to his feeling like a little rejection of, wait, I thought you were into this. I I want you to be into this. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's a little, it's not personal either because women do have a hard time a lot of times shutting all of the windows off. It really is like we have these pop-up windows and if we think Mm -hmm. the oven is on, like it's, it's hard to X that window off. Um, so, 
in, in, in my other book, my, uh, the hot, holy and humorous sex and marriage by God's design, I, I speak specifically to women about how to be able to really focus in on the moment sexually and let all those things go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know what? It can wait. Like it's, you know, unless, unless you smell smoke <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know, see fire or you know, there's a kid knocking on your door screaming that they're bleeding. Um, almost everything can wait. And I just think that that's, that's not the time to communicate, communicate your stuff, make sure everything's, um, good. So mm-hmm. now the one, the one I will say is if you do get started, I have heard plenty of wives then say to him, did you lock the door? Okay, that's yeah. a very reasonable question because <laughs> you do not want your kids walking in because you forgot to to lock the door. Yeah, I, I still remember I think it was the 2012 Olympics that Ragu had a commercial. This little boy coming in saying, hey, Mom, Mom, and this guy starts seeing his parents in bed, but it's just 8 o'clock. That's why they told you you should always not. His <laughs> kid just walks away this traumatized look. That is one of the funniest commercials I have ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think we should also stress for women that if, uh, when you're communicating, if you really want your husband to do something differently or you're not liking something he's doing, say it, but try to not be critical at the same time because men are extremely sensitive to criticism. Yeah. Yeah, I've said a lot of times make suggestions, hey, I really like it when you touch me here. Or mm-hmm. I think if you, I think if you could do it a little softer, I'd really like that. Mm-hmm. So that's very different from saying, "Ugh, it's, it's too hard." <laughs> so you know, you hear the difference, and uh, you know, most most husbands do. They would they want to know what she wants so they can please their wife. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I mean, when. A couple gets this book and they've gone, say, all the way through it. I suppose I was just couple goes out and goes through all 40 devotionals together. Mm-hmm. What would you, if you met this couple, what would you love to hear from them? I would love to hear a couple say to me, we finally had conversations that revealed what was really going on. Uh, in a way that we could understand each other and improve our sexual intimacy, that we were Mm -hmm. finally able to open up the conversation so that we could really find unity on this issue in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And why do you think it's so important these couples have unity in sexuality? What makes it so important to marriage? Well, I mean, we are, you know, God says you become one flesh and we are supposed to be unified. And and even as the body of Christ, there's so much that Jesus talks about with unity. And so we, you know, to be of one mind and, and all those things. Now, unity does not mean that you're the same person. Um, all too often when my, my dad, who was a preacher, used to say that the joke that uh, when you got married, it was, and, and now the two shall become one. The question is, which one? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's not how it works. You're combining yourselves. And so we have to be willing to listen to the other person and understand them and understand they're an entirely different person, entirely different feelings and respect that, but also be able to embrace that and come to unity on this is what the sex in our marriage is going to look like. And when you get to that, it's going to be something that you both are willing to invest in, that you both are satisfied with, that you both enjoy. 
Yeah, I, I, I can't say I agree entirely with viewpoint behind things and such, because I think people give the devil way too much power, but I've heard it said better. The devil will do everything he can do to get you to have sex before you get married, and after you get married, he'll do everything he can to, to stop you from having sex. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. I do. Th- I mean, I think that's how our, you know, sexual, secular culture portrays it often. And actually, you'll hear Christians say, say this stuff too. You know, this idea that the marriage is where sex goes to die, and mm-hmm. that's first of all, it's not even true. Um, the statistics show over and over and over and over that married people are are not only having more sex, but they are much more satisfied with their sex lives than singles. Um, mm-hmm. They're much more likely to rate their sex as good. And, um, and that's actually also more likely to happen after several years of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just, but that also means that you have to be able to invest in this and, and find that, that unity. And I think too often we, we can stress, well, you need to have sex in your marriage. You need to have sex in your marriage. And it can feel like this, um, there is a duty in a sense, but we can feel like it's just a duty and it's Mm -hmm. not, it's a gift from God. And so, Mm -hmm. but not every gift is something you immediately know how to use, you know? Um, and there's not a specific manual on exactly how to use the sex in your marriage, but you guys can figure it out. And that's kind of part of what I'm trying to do is through, um, through use of the the Bible as our manual, our life manual. And, you know, these conversations that you have with your spouse, you can kind of develop the manual for how are we going to use this gift in our marriage? Right. Well, um, Jay, I think we've kind of got when we guys start wrapping things up here and such. The book is Pillow Talk: Forty Conversations About Sex for Married Couples. The Kindle version is three ninety nine. The paperback version is ten ninety nine on Amazon right now, as of the time of this recording. Um, Jay, do you have? I know you do, but tell us where we are. Do you have a blog, a website, an email where people can get in touch with you if they want to find out more? Yes. Okay. So. Everything is is pretty much this, but the website is hotholyhumorous.com, and I'm on Facebook the same way. So Facebook, Hot, Holy, and Humorous. I'm on Pinterest mm-hmm. the same way, and yeah. I'm on Twitter the same way. So um, that's just Hot, Holy, Humorous without the and in the uh, URL. And then if somebody wanted to email me, I'm at J, just the letter J, at hotholyhumorous.com. And there's also an excellent Facebook group. Yeah. So if you if somebody goes to my uh, Hot Holly Humorous page on Facebook, there's groups listed there. And I have one for um, husbands and wives. And then I have another one that is specifically for higher drive wives. So, mm-hmm. and that's, and I know people say every now and then there's somebody who's like, higher drive wives, there aren't that many other. Actually, my group is over 400 mm-hmm. strong right now. So, yeah. Yes, if you're yeah, a higher drive I, wife, you're not alone. Yeah, when I think about higher drive, I think about uh, how Mark Gungberg has given a talk in his laughing way to bear marriage where he said, you know, some of you out there, you're married to wives, they love sex, they can't get enough. And I think I speak on behalf of all men when I say, we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, do you have uh, any final words you'd like to leave for a deeper waters audience today? 
uh, just if you've been putting this off or if you're just not sure where to start, um, you know, get a hold of this book or just go check me out on, yeah. on the blog. You don't have yeah. to buy anything yet. Just go check out some of my resources and um, see if, you know, this is a pl- the time and that you need to start working on that with your marriage. Mm-hmm. Jay, I like that thing you're coming on. Hopefully, if you have another book coming out sometime, we'll see you back here again and talk about that book. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. And I'd like to remind everyone that next week, we're going to have Greg back on talking about his book, Sex, It's Worth the Wait. And keep in mind, there are my debate coming up. Be praying for it. For now, I'm Nick Peters, and I'm signing off. <laughs>